Welcome to Sundays at Cafe Tobac, the podcast. Hi, I'm Wanda Acosta. And I'm Karen Song, and we're the filmmakers of the documentary feature film project of the same name that's still in progress. And we wanted to launch this podcast series of Coming Out Stories Now as an affirmation to the courage, the vision, the strength and joy in our community amidst all of the cancellations of our public pride celebrations this year due to the COVID pandemic. So Karen, how has your Pride Month been so far? Well, happy Pride, Wanda. Thanks for asking. It's been very active and charged. Um, you know, I've been engaged in some of the Black Lives Matter protests here in New York. Uh, there have been so many nonstop in every corner of the city. And it's really great to see that the NYC Dyke March has redirected its efforts towards marching for Black Lives Matter. They've been organizing a lot of um, events and calls to action. And um, for any of our listeners who want to know more, uh, if they don't already know, they can check them out on Instagram at NYC Dyke March Official. But also, you know, I wanted to highlight uh, a great article on NBCNews.com written by uh, the amazing Kara Balanek, which you can find on our Facebook page as well. Uh, it's titled, Who Needs a Parade? Protesting Police Brutality Truly Honors Pride. And I think it's, it's very poignant and so relevant, you know, as pride has become this parade, a, a kind of corporate parade in having lost its political roots and its uh, roots of activism. As we know, police brutality is not a struggle that is unfamiliar in our LGBTQ history and is at the root of the Stonewall riots, which gave birth to the modern gay liberation movement and pride. But the struggle still continues and we still need to fight for change. You know, as mainly um, black and brown members in our LGBTQ family still suffer at the hands of the police. I really can't think of a better and more true way of honoring pride than protesting this police brutality and systemic oppression because the fight is not over and there's no gay liberation without liberation from racism. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, the fight is definitely not over for so many of us. And it goes without saying that we stand with the Black Lives Matter movement and we totally understand the power of protest of activism as a political act of visibility, which is so, so fundamental to bringing about social change in the past, in the present and in the future. Absolutely. And so for our second episode of our podcast, we wanted to feature someone who's been doing incredible work well before and through this particular moment that we're in. Literary rock star Jacqueline Woodson, who is a member of our Cafe Tabac community. She is a writer of books for children and young adults whose accolades are really way too many to name among the highest accolades, which include the National Book Award for her 2014 book, Brown Girl Dreaming. Uh, she was awarded National Ambassador for Young People's Literature for 2018 to 2019 by the Library of Congress and uh, the Hans Christian Andersen Medal this year. Her latest book, Red at the Bone, was released last year and was an instant New York Times bestseller and New York Times Notable Book of the Year, as well as Oprah's Best Books of 2019. That's amazing and so impressive. So happy to have her included in our episode. We wanted to have Jacqueline introduce this episode with us, but she's in the throes of this very important time in the Black Lives Matter movement. She proves time and time again that she is a voice, a visionary, and a champion for our humanity, creating pathways to critical social, political, and cultural change. She was really one of the most inspiring interviews that we had for our film. And this is just a snippet of that interview where she talks about coming out to her super religious family. We hope you enjoy. Here's Jacqueline Woodson's coming out story. 
So I think the major impetus to be out was I didn't want to lie. You know, I didn't want to make up boyfriends and stories and and um, stuff like that. Uh, and I say be out because I didn't come out. I was found out. You know, I had a girlfriend, Joanne. And the minute they met her, they were like, oh, she's, you know, she's a dyke, so you must be a dyke. Or a bull dagger, that was the word they used at the time, which I hate. I hate that word. And I'm sure, you know, it's because my parents used it. And I was raised by my mom and grandma. So um, two generations of women saying, oh, hell no. Oh, they were a hot mess about it, you know. So, so that was in the '80s in college, and and I, I, you know, my mom, they, you know, they always knew. Like when I was a kid, my mom would say, "You walk just like your dad," or "You need to join the army," or you know, your my aunt um, Alicia, she was one of the founders of um, this um, feminist cafe bookstore called Bloodroot up in Connecticut, and she also founded the New England Women's Musical Retreat, which was the, you know, one of the early women's music festivals. And, and so she was, she is, you know, hardcore, butch to the bone, like separatist. And, 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 um, and so my mom would say, you know, you're, you're just like your Aunt Alicia. You're, you're, um, what would she say? Funny, that I'm funny, like my, I'm not, you know, comedic, like, you know, you're a big dyke, like your Aunt Alicia. And, um, but my Aunt Alicia, was a separatist at the time, which I didn't understand, um, you know, because I had so many guys in my life that I loved. And and so so I, I wasn't like her. So I, you know, I was like, no, that's that's not who I am. And then, you know, this whole thing about searching, like trying to figure that out. And my grandmother was, um, you know, they were devastated. They thought I was never going to get married. They thought that um, it was a sin. Um, and, and they just, I think part of it, looking back on it, they didn't understand. They, you know, they came through the great migration to the new country of New York City, and they had big dreams for us that didn't include, A, me being an artist, and definitely me being queer. So I was messing up all over the place. But after that, it's interesting, because it was... um. You know, it was some rocky years. You know, my mom like, you cannot live here. Um, I lived with some friend, my some guy friends in Long Island, and then I, you know, eventually moved to Brooklyn. And it was definitely rocky. But looking back on it, like I get it. I get it. I, get, you know, your parents have plans for you, and this is me as a parent, of course. <laughs> like I understand you now, but um, they have ideas for you. They have. Um, their narrative for you and and here you go trying to mess it up so you know it wasn't right but I, I understand and by the 90s we had healed a lot of it a bunch of the early women I dated were white and that interracial thing was really foreign to them um, but but you know they adored Juliet by the time we got to Juliet they were like okay you know we love her probably more than you so um, but, but it definitely came full circle, but it was not easy in the early days. And, and so that was in the 80s that I came out to them. At the end of the day, they're like, Are you? the thing, question was, who's gonna take care of you? You know, um, I'm not always gonna be here, so. And the, the idea that as a woman, you can take care of yourself, you know, two black women coming from Jim Crow, South Carolina to meet, like, 
it's not going to happen. So, and, and Jim Crow, South Carolina, black women coming along a line of slavery, you're not safe, you know, especially around white people. So, so there was a lot of stuff going on for them in me coming out and then they, then they got it. Then they saw, you know, I was writing books. I, I had a fine place to live, you know, and, and, you know, she's going to be okay. So we get this. And I think if they, they both have since died, but I think, you know, if they were living now, it would be really with gay marriage and everything, it would be really interesting to see, you know, I, I think my grandmother came around um, before my mom did, but it would be really interesting to see, you know, my mom lived to see Obama and that was life changing for her. So after that, I think the rest is gravy. Thank you for listening. For more, subscribe to Sundays at Cafe Tabac, the podcast. You can also learn more about us in our film at cafetobacfilm.com and at Cafe Tabac Film on social media. Please share your thoughts with us on social media. And if you have a coming out story that you'd like for us to feature, reach out to us via our website. Happy Pride, everybody. Be safe. <laughs>